Welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here again with my wonderful wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. And there she is. And we're glad to be back with you on another episode of The Abnormal Christian. Thank you for listening. I want to thank everybody who continues to listen to The Abnormal Christian. We ask that you would share it with your friends and family. And we hope that you're actually gaining some perspective or getting something uh, from the podcast itself. This is a uh, what could be determined or defined as a Christian podcast, could it not? Indeed. Indeed, because we do consider, excuse me, we do consider ourselves to be believers and Christians. That's what this has been all about. So if you've come to this episode and you're looking at this, this episode is going to be titled, um, Do You Hate Your Sin? Right? So we're looking at really, do we, we've talked about in uh, previous episodes about what is sin, and we've, um, we've really gone into that in detail, and I think we've worn that out. So if you want to go back and listen to those episodes, I would suggest that you would go and listen to the episodes on what is sin. Um, and really the, the basic definition of what the Bible determines and describes sin to be is, Natasha? Not adhering to the law. Right, which is violation of God's law, which is so very important um, for the process of redemption and salvation. Um, so earlier in this week, I shared a video on my Facebook, uh, shared it with Natasha, was happy. I wanted her to see it. It was a uh, it was of a gentleman named Todd White. If you haven't seen this video, go on uh, YouTube, look up Todd White and God's plan. I think it's called God's plan. God's for, heart for humanity. There it is, God's heart for humanity. So, uh, you know, we've talked about the new apostolic reformation. Um, we've not been very kind to that group. Um, because I think they focus on the wrong thing. I think they're focusing on the supernatural abilities um, that they can get from God, and they're not focused on the supernatural work of God in the believer's life, other than to produce um, uh, miracles, right? Speaking in tongues and healings and all those things. And I would always, you know, I'm I'm very... um, I'll be very straightforward and open about those things. If you're in a church that believes in that, that's that's your business. You can do that all you want. The only thing I would encourage you to do is to challenge that, is to say, let's go down to the hospital, and I want you to heal everyone that's in there. We've got coronavirus spreading around the world and all these hospitals. Let's go down there and heal the people of COVID, right? I mean, their own bre- breathalyzers. What do you call them? Not breathalyzers. Uh, <laughs> ventilators. Man, I think they got pulled over for alcohol, right? So they're on ventil- <laughs> breathalyzers. It's amazing. Sometimes... Sometimes my thought process is, is just a little off there. So they're on, they're on ventilators at the hospital. And, and, and really, it's, it's that funny. But they're on ventilators. And um, if you're claiming that you can heal people from sickness and from disease and from cancer and from blindness, you know, if you're, if you're claiming that you can bring people back from the dead, then you have a responsibility to go to the hospital and empty the place out. And any church that claims that they have this um, supernatural gift of God, because the, the natural gifts of God, right? So the gifts of God that Jesus did, the power that Jesus did, did not discriminate against the blind person, the deaf person, the lame person. He healed the, from the, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He didn't pick and say, I can only heal um, things that I can't see. I can only heal these issues. Right. I can only heal the things that I can't see, right? You, you've got cancer. Nobody else can see that. I can't see that. But I know you got it. So, ooh, you're healed, right? So that's easy to do. Um, but Jesus took on the hard challenges of, of raising the lame man. Remember, they lowered him through the, the ceiling, the man on the bed. And he told him to get up, get up and walk and take your bed with you. And the man did. And he went and rejoiced in the Lord. 
Um, there's so many instances in the scripture of Jesus doing this, but it wasn't, um, it was not anything like what we see today because the church, uh, we continually focus on, uh, some churches, uh, focus on the wrong thing. It's about um, having this experience with God. It's about showing other people that we have the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's this show of the Holy Spirit. Um, I was told one time, if I did not speak in tongues, that I was not saved. I had somebody tell me that. If you've never spoken in tongues, you're not saved. Then I said, how does that help? What, how do, what does that prove? And they said, it proves that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said, no, it doesn't at all. What proves that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is the fruits of the Spirit, how you live your life, how you react to others. It has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. That doesn't prove that I'm filled with anything. People can fake that all day long. You can fake that. But you know what you can't fake? A love for God's word. That's what you can't fake because only some people are only going to be able to abide it for a while. And those who cleave to it and who are hungry for it, those are the ones that, you know, you can't fake that. You can't fake a heart that loves God, a heart that is dedicated through no matter what that comes along, no matter what happens in your life, you are dedicated to the Lord. You've been drugged through everything, but you're still dedicated to God. You can't fake those things. Those are the things you can't fake. Um, but you can fake healing somebody. Sure, why not? There's and maybe it was Todd White, I don't know, but there was one uh, there was one guy there who was healing people who said he uh, lengthened a person's leg by one inch, right? <laughs> he made their leg longer, and so everybody's just like, "Why don't you go to the hospital and lengthen all the legs?" You know, I mean, it's just it, you ask for that kind of stuff when you claim that you have the power of God, but you re, you resign it to your church, you keep it inside those four walls, you hold it here because you don't want to take it out there. The reason they don't go to the hospital and raise people out of their beds is because they're afraid of ridicule. They're afraid that somebody's going to say, you're not who you claim to be. And you know what? They're absolutely right. And so when we look back at this and we're talking about uh, the sin that we hate, right? So Todd White, we're going into him. Uh, look that video up. Now, Todd White is New Apostolic Reformation. He's been 16 years. He has been doing the, the faith healing and all the supernatural powers of God. And he's I'm sure he's got a school of ministry and, you know, all those things trying to drag people in. But this video, if you go watch, is very different than anything I think he's ever done. Because in this video, he claims that he, uh, amazingly, he's discovered uh, Charles Spurgeon, which is I don't know how that's possible, but he has recently discovered Charles Spurgeon and Ray Comfort, who is living within the same. Well, he talks about that he's gone back to school, maybe. Well, I, I think, think at Lord's... one point he said that, and yeah. perhaps some teachers or maybe some the, people the Lord's... that's right. educating him is introducing him to some things, maybe that he's not ever you know, delved into before. That's a good possibility. And that might be good. That's good for him. But in this video, he really goes into how he, and I paraphrase, he says he's really meeting Jesus for the first time, right? All over, he says all over again. He keeps but, saying he's convicted. Yes. He's, he's facing this. And you can see him. He looks like he is, is. He's trembling a little bit. His, his face. I mean, I don't really know what the guy looks like normally when he's preaching, but he seems really genuine and sincere. Right. And the message that he gives is accurate and on point. That's the other side of it, right? So even if everything else in his life were to be wrong, the message he gives in that video is 100% accurate. And uh, what he really talks about is um, how we're leading people to Christ and how we lead people to Christ from the idea that we promise them all the wonderful things, right? We promise them the joy and the hope and the peace and the love. And, and that know. if that's why you're getting saved, then you're getting saved for the wrong reasons. Right. Because that's not what it's about. It, we do have, but all all those things he says, and even in the scripture, it says those things are a result of the Holy Spirit. Those are fruits of the Spirit, right? That's what we get after we have the Holy Spirit. But coming to God comes on the idea that I am, um, I'm undone. I'm wicked.
wicked. I'm apart from God. I have offended God. He uses that word that we've offended God. And how have we offended God? And he, he kind of dances around it a little bit. He says he's not going to preach legalism, but it, I think it's absolutely necessary to preach legalism to the point that you have offended God because you have broken his law. That is the whole point of it. The reason we need salvation is because we have broken the law of God. And there is no other, there's no other reason why you need salvation. The reason for salvation is to make you right with God. Because you have offended, you have violated the law of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person has offended and violated God's law. In one way or another, some people are multiple offenders. Some people, if you think you're the best person on earth, you still, I guarantee it, broken the laws of God. And this is the reason that we're supposed to get right. And I've pointed it out before that Paul says, brothers, should we continue in sin? Should we continue to violate the law of God so that grace may abound? And then he says, God forbid. We should not do that. It's a We are abusing the grace of God when we continue to violate the law of God, when we continue to sin. Well, I think our goal should be to never have to have a need for God's grace. Agreed. Well, but... but I mean, we all know that that's... We fall short. We need the grace of God because every day we are continually... Uh, you know, I had someone ask me one time, and, and I never really thought about this, um, I guess, and the guy asked me, is it possible to go a whole day without sinning? Is it possible to go a whole day without sinning? And and it was struggle. I, me and a couple guys were arguing about this, and one guy said no, and another guy said yes. This guy believed you could live a sinless lifestyle in Christ. You could live a sinless lifestyle. He honestly believed that he, he was going to pull it off, and he was going to do it. And, you know, and I disagreed with him because I think it's, it's part of our nature, our human nature, that we are battling all the time. We know the old man is dead in Christ, right? And we've been given that new life in Christ, but we still deal with this flesh. The Bible says we're going to deal with the flesh. It's not a defeatist mentality, but we have not been perfected yet. We, as long as sin is in us, we, we're going to probably sin somewhere along the way. Whether it's a thought of pride or it's a thought of lust or it's, you know. Anger. Absolutely. There's, there's these, I'm not saying it's not, it is absolutely possible. Is it absolutely possible to go a day without sin? Absolutely. I think we can do that. I think it's you could probably go three and four days, but you're never going to go your entire life without sin. It's never going to happen. This is the reason for repentance. This is the reason for salvation is because we are sinners separated from a holy God, and we have to be made right through the Son. Now, here's an interesting thing about sin, and since we're talking about this, when Christ died on the cross, because um, there's a lot of people who think this way about the Old Testament saints too. Um, when Christ died on the cross, what sin did he die for? Uh, a specific sin? No. I'm asking you what sin or sins did he die for? Do you know what sins he died for? No. The, the scripture says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Sinners. It right. doesn't specify what sin. Correct. But it says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Were we alive when Christ died? Were we alive when Christ died? Were you alive when Christ died? No. Had you sinned when he died on the cross? No. At that point, you had not sinned. Um, so when we think of, when we think about it, a lot of people look and say, "Well, the grace of God manifests itself toward us because Christ died for our sins." We look back at the cross and we see what He did for us, even though we weren't. And there's a lot of people who said, "When Jesus died, I was on His mind." Right? I don't even know if that's accurate. 
I don't know. We don't know. That's just a, a presupposition people lay out and they say, well, it makes you feel great that Jesus was thinking about me when he was on the cross. Well, that's one of those things. Right. Is it's it really that, true? It's that extra addition to it's the word. emotionalism. We turn it into a song and we sing about it because he, I was on his mind, right? And, and I'm not saying we weren't, but humanity as a whole, maybe humanity as a whole, maybe humanity as a whole was on his mind, or maybe he was afraid of dying. Maybe he had that fear because, you know, he had asked in the garden that this cup should pass from him, but and he was sweating uh, drops of blood because he was that uh, it, it consumed him that much that he was going to have to die. Nobody wants to. Uh, I don't. Nobody wants to go through painful things, right? He, he was beaten. I mean, uh, he was bruised. He was he was pierced with a spear. I, it, it's just there's so much there that is. Uh, it was torturous for him to deal with. And while he is God in the flesh, he's still uh, part man. He's still that flesh. You know, he's still dealing with that. Um, and so when we, when we look at that, we look back at the cross, and I think a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament saints, um, they didn't know what grace was. And I absolutely disagree with that because the book of Hebrews tells us um, that their faith uh, was counted toward righteousness, right? And so I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, you know, we look back at the cross, and we see what Jesus did. And when he died for our sins, he died for all sins of all time that ever occurred. He died for every sin that occurred from Adam and Eve all the way to me, because I hadn't been born yet. Uh, I wasn't here. The sins I had done had yet to occur, but he died for that. So if that's the case, then he died for all the sins that the old saints in the Old Testament did. The saints, the sins of Moses and the sins of David and the sins of Adam and Eve, even their sins, he died for their sins. That's why their faith and their belief, because they look forward to the cross. They look forward to a Messiah. They never saw him. They didn't, they, they never saw him. They didn't see him crucified. And, and so I was sitting there thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, this is why the scripture says, um, blessed are those who have believed, but have not seen, Right. So if, if, it's, if there's a blessings for those who have believed but have not seen, that does not only apply to the New Testament church. That also applies to the Old Testament saints because they had never seen him, but they believed. Did they not believe the Messiah was coming? Did they not believe in the God of the Bible? Did they not put their faith and hope that a Messiah was going to come and rescue their people? They absolutely did. And so their faith that they put in that and that they put into God is counted toward their righteousness, just like our faith that we put in Messiah, who was in the past behind us, is counted toward right, towards righteousness. So, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, his, his death over sin his, his, is the sin of every single person. He's, he's conquered death and sin from the beginning of time until this very point all the way through the future when I might not even be here. He has conquered that sin. Now, it's still on our behalf to repent and turn from our sin and turn to God and put our faith and trust in the Messiah, God's sacrifice. That's how we're saved. And so when we come to today, and, and Todd White kind of challenges us a little bit in the video. Um, I will say, honestly, I'm not a Todd White fan. I never have been. I never liked the guy. I always thought he was scamming people. I always thought he was just, he, he was pushing a gospel that I couldn't agree with. But in this video, he absolutely, I think, uh, stuns the people of his own church. Well, I mean, he stands there and says that he's broken. Yeah, and he's asking people, am I the only one who's seeing this? Am I the only one who's seeing this? <laughs> he, crickets. Lo he looks to the side and he's looking at his pastoral staff that he's got over there and he's like, I'm sorry. I mean, I know you're shocked by this, but I'm sorry. You know, and he's making this apology that you're, and he says, I have only been preaching half of the gospel for 16 years and I cannot keep doing it because the gospel is different than what I thought it was. And the gospel is not me giving you, hey, give up the world when you're tired and you'll get love, joy, and peace. The gospel is a suffering thing. It's a thing that is going to cause 
cause you tribulation. It's a thing that may cost you everything in your life. Um, so when you get down to it at the end, you you know. And he, he tells the story Ray Comfort does of the men on the airplane with parachutes. You really need to see it. Um, but anyway, it, it comes down to life and death. And the person who really has salvation, the person who really has the gospel in their heart, this is why people were able to be led to the gallows or to uh, get their head cut off or burned at the stake. Because when you hold the gospel and you hold that faith in Jesus Christ, and even if a man goes to put you to death to kill you, you know you're going to be okay because you have faith in the God who is on the other side of this life. And you're not afraid of these people in this life. This is why I think some of the, you know, when you look at these preachers, people are often um, knocking street preachers, right? They make fun of these guys who go out and they preach in the crowds and they tell them about Jesus. Do you know how much nerve that takes to do? Do you know how much guts that takes to do? And do you know how much you have to believe and depend upon the word of God and that it is absolutely true to get out there and do that? Because you're going to be harassed. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be laughed at. In, in the past, there have been people who stoned preachers for that. There have been people who pulled them off and beat them up for that. Um, when my dad was, when I was a kid, my dad was in New York and he was um, in New York City and they were street preaching. And he said he had, there was a car that pulled up and the guy stuck a shotgun out the window and said, if you're here, when we come back, we will kill you, you know, and they left. And he said, they drove away. And when, and later on they came back, he said, the car pulled up, the window rolled down, the gun came out. It waited, it waited, it went back in, they drove off. But that's, that, that is when you believe in something so much that you're willing to die for it, you really found that salvation and true life that you really want in Jesus Christ. And that is the God. So the question is, and we're getting long on all that, but the question <laughs> is, do you, do you hate sin? Because I think this is very, um, this is very important in the Christian believer's life. And, and the thing that we know is the Bible says you're going to hate it. Right, so when you become a Christian, you become a believer, and you put your hope in you Jesus should Christ. Hate it. No, I think you will hate it because I think the Holy Spirit is going to make you so uncomfortable when you sin. He should make you uncomfortable when you sin. There should be this: you need to leave, you need to run, you need to not panic, but you should get away from this. There should be that feeling in your heart, in your life, that when you're going to go and do something that is wrong, that the Holy Spirit and it's called conviction. That it when makes the Holy you Spirit, so uncomfortable. Exactly, and He comes in and He makes you uncomfortable, and you have this sudden. That's what conviction is. It's the uncomfortableness that you feel when you are in a wrong situation. Conviction. And you know it. And you absolutely know this is the wrong thing to do. I should not do this. And when you continue on and you do it, then you are, uh, what does the Bible say? It says you have to be, hmm, I can't think of the term off my head, but you got to be careful with the Holy Spirit because it's like a dove, right? It'll come in and convict you. But if you push him away, he will let you do whatever you plan on doing. If you plan on doing sin, and you will suffer the consequences. You will suffer the consequences of that sin. You will have your, your time doing that, but, um, but you will suffer the consequences. So the question is, is do you love your sin? So we all have sin in our lives and we all have sin that we do and things that we commit. But as a Christian, we should not love sin. It should honestly be um, that we are repulsed by it, that we hate sin, that we don't want anything to do with it. Um, and this is very evident when Jesus, Jesus is telling that he sees the people, he calls them sinners, right? He says they are sinners. He still loves them, but he, re he rebukes them of the sin that they are doing. He's not saying, you know, he doesn't have to condemn them. He doesn't tell them, no, because we already condemned. Right. He doesn't have to tell them, your sin is going to send you to hell. You're the worst thing ever. God is going to get you. He doesn't have to say any of that because he tells them already. In John 3, we know, 16, 17, 18, he's telling them um, he didn't come to condemn the world because the world was already condemned. 
Um, so what he's come to do is to tell them that they need to be saved. Hey, you're a sinner. You're living in sin. You need to repent of that sin, which means to tell God you're sorry. You need to repent of that sin and turn away from sin. So the problem we have is as Christians, we have to be very cognizant of sin in our lives, sin around us, what we're doing, where we're going, what we're saying. Sin should not be something that we are okay with. This is also, if you're listening to this episode, this is a great explanation as to why Christians have a problem with what our government does and what uh, certain groups in our countries do and what certain people say is right and wrong because right and wrong is not determined by the social group. It's not determined by... The social mindset. It's not determined by mob rule. Mob rule does not determine what is right or wrong. Um, it doesn't matter if people get in the street, uh, streets, in the streets, <laughs> get in the streets and scream and holler and pray. It doesn't matter what they say. It's no, it doesn't matter. The word of God is the definitive, uh, source of truth. And so if the word of God says that murder is wrong, then murder is wrong. We don't have to, we don't have to wait for everybody to tell us, um, you know, that murders, that's ah, not that bad. It's, or stealing is wrong. Eh, it's not that bad. It's so, or what's, what's wrong to me might not be wrong to you. So I can't really say yes, that it's wrong. Correct. And then we have a lot of Christian people who want to do that too. We want to be saved and we, we don't want to have sin in our lives, but we are definitely not going to uh, confront sin in, in the lives of those around us or the lives of our society. We're not going to confront that as a whole because it makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to have to have those conversations with the world. But how can we tell people, how can we tell people that they're going to hell? How can we tell people, and I'm not saying it's condemnation, it is a warning. How can we warn people that they're going to be separated from God if we're afraid to talk about it? If we're afraid, if someone comes up to you, I had someone ask me one time if I thought um, something specific in the Bible was sin. They asked me about homosexuality and, uh, and I said, are you asking me or do you want to know what the Bible says? Because I'm going to, honestly, when you ask me, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Because what I feel about it personally doesn't even matter. What Brad Mason feels about it doesn't matter. What really matters is the word of God. What does God say about it? And so they, they asked me and I explained it to them. And they said, you know, you've really got a, I really expected something different from you. I've heard about this person is not a Christian. They said, I've heard about Christians. Um, I moved here and they said, I was worried that uh, I was going to have to face these people who were so against everything and so hateful. And, you know, because that's what I heard. That's what I heard Christians were. And I said, it, I said, I, hear, I understand what you're saying, um, but the word of God says this and that are wrong or right. It tells me how to live my life and to walk in truth. And all I'm supposed to do is to do that. You have to determine, you have to determine if you're going to do that in your life. It's not for me to condemn you. It's not for me to tell you, you know, all it is for me to say, the word of God has said, that's it. That's the end of the day. It doesn't have to be any more than that. And I think a lot of people want to come at Christians because, and really when people are, you got to understand when people are attacking you because you're a Christian, generally 95% of the time, it's not you. It's the Bible. It's Jesus who lives in you. They don't like him. They it, don't. It's this idea of someone telling me that something I'm doing is wrong. Right. Because everybody wants to build a God. Of them, and he says Todd White in the video. I was thinking about this before he even said it the other day, but um, I have a lot of people who tell me, and I've heard them say it. My God would never do that. My God, he's a nice guy. My God would not condemn that. My God would not do X, Y, and Z. And the truth of the matter is, is your God is fake. He's not real. He doesn't exist. The God that you, you know, anytime you say my before the word God, you've made that God in your mind. 
That's the God you're worshiping is in yourself. It's not the God of the universe. It's not the God who sits over everything. It's not the God who handed down the laws that Jesus followed flawlessly, the laws that Jesus taught, the word of God that comes out of his mouth. That's not the same God that you're following. The God that you're following is a God of uh, unicorns and fairies and roses. Of your own and, making absolutely. In, your, in your mind. We've constructed this idea, this God that we can, we are okay to serve. And generally, he is the God who has no expectations. That's the ridiculous part. Right. You want to sit here and tell me. Hey, everybody's good. Yeah. You want to sit here and say, my God would never do X, Y, and Z, but your God is a God of no expectations. So if you have a God who has no expectations, then you have a God who has no justice. There's never going to be justice because the God that you serve, quote unquote, if he were the real God, there would never be justice for uh, sinners. There would never be justice for the pedophile. There would never be justice for the rapist. There would never be justice for the murderer. There would never be justice at all because the God that your God would sit back and just let everybody do whatever they want and wouldn't care. Well, my God wouldn't send people to burn forever. No, your God wouldn't do that. Well, that's nice. But unfortunately, the God of the scripture says there was a place created and it's not a good deal. It says they're going to stand before him, right? I mean, the day we stand before God, he is going to rule out his judgment based on his righteousness, based on his justice, his mercy. He's not going to go by our And his rules. authority. He's not going to look at you and go, well, my God says. He's going to say, I am God. I have said. And, and we can find this in the Old Testament many times. He said, he said, I have said. I told you. I wanted you to do this, and you didn't do it. He told the prophets often. He said, you go and warn Israel because I told them not to do that. I have said. Uh, when Moses went to Egypt, he said, I am that I am has sent me. He sent me to tell you he's going to do X, Y, and Z. Because God has expectations, and God will dole out justice. Um, but the idea is that you know we need to be so offended by that sin. And this is the whole point of salvation: is that we have sin in our lives, that we are wrong before God, that we are undone before Him. We have offended Him. We have fallen short of His laws. We have broken His laws. We have failed His commandments. If you, you know, we we do. Uh, what was the one um, bearing false witness, which is lying? You know, it's one of the Ten Commandments. You, you should not. And this is the simple one. Everybody who's listened to this episode of this podcast, every single one of you has told a lie. Every single person on this earth has lied lied. We've all broken. And, we, and I can name that. We've all broken this one law. And because we have all broken this one law, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. It only takes one. It doesn't mean we have to break all 10. It's one. If you've broken one single law and word of God, then you have violated his law and you have offended a holy God. And we've all done that. And this is why we need salvation. Um, so, you know, look in your life, the real, the real, goal here is to look in our lives. I want God to lead us to look into our lives, to see where those, that sin is, to make it offensive to us because it's offensive to him. If we are holy as he is holy, then the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, dwells in us will be offended by that sin. He should be. Well, I mean, I think if you really truly love God, then it should really bother you when you do things Absolutely. that you know are going to upset him. It's like the same concept when your dad's coming home and you know you're going to be getting it because you did something you weren't supposed to. I've been there. I have been there. Let me tell you, I sat on the couch one time and sweat for like three hours. I knew he was coming home. 
But that's and, and we we want to you know I think as believers we want to please the Father. That is that is the heart of a, of a Christian. That is the heart of a believer, a child of God. Same thing as a little child wants you to see what they've drawn, their coloring. They want you to be proud of what they've done. They want you to be proud of what they've created. Um, we want we want to please God in that way. He doesn't need for us to do those things, but we as believers want to please our Father. We should desire that absolutely. So uh, you know I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, I hope you can share this with other folks that uh, salvation is really not so much about out to getting all the wonderful things, how all the great things we can get from God, it can be a, tr- a trial. It can be a, a tribulation. It can be it can be tough. Now there is joy that comes with all of that, um, but it really has to be coming from the spot that we are sinners before God and we uh, desperately need uh, a Savior. So we appreciate you listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will catch you again on the next episode. Bye.